0: take your Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter 23. I've been going through the book of Joshua in which the people of God are given the land, their foes are defeated, and are called to serve the Lord. And through the first 21 chapters of the book, it's really all about God's doing. Then the last three chapters are three separate summons of Joshua to the people, calling them together to hear what it is that their obligations are. And we come to chapter 23 and we will read this, uh, so we pray that God would, uh, would give us ears to hear, and we want to pray to him now to that end. Lord, Joshua called all these people who were there in the land in his day to come and to listen, and you've summoned us here today so that we might come and listen, and we pray that you would do that, and we know it's only uh, possible for you to bring that to about in our hearts if you pour your spirit out on us. So we ask that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. This is God's word, Joshua chapter 23. A long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well-advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, its judges and officers, and said to them, I am now old and well-advanced in years. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes, those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I have already cut off, from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it, neither to the right hand nor to the left. And you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord, your God, just as you have done this day, for the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. And now I'm about to go the way of all the earth, and you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord, your God promised concerning you all have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. Thus ends this reading of God's holy word. Pray that he would write them on our hearts today and forever. When old people tell you that they are old and well advanced in years and they have special words for you, your ears tend to perk up a little bit and you listen. It was about 13 years ago when my grandfather was nearing the end of his life and it was evident that it was probably going to be the last time that I would speak to him face to face this side of glory that he wanted me to know before I departed that he had words for me from the very passage that Jerry Foltz preached to us last week in the evening service from the second half of Philippians chapter 3. And that it was that my calling was to press on to lay hold of Christ, to lay hold of the upward calling of God that he had for me in Christ Jesus. And these words resonate in my heart, and you've probably heard similar kinds of words. Uh, when, when older people have words to speak, and they draw you near, they're ready to speak from the heart to the heart. Because they recognize, through the course of their life, those things that are most important, And Joshua is summonsing the people here to come and to hear because he knew that they would be tempted as time would go on. And it's been a little while here since they actually were divided throughout the land. It's been some time. They've had a little time to already forget the things that they'd heard. He calls them back together so that he might speak to them once again. And he gives them, in one sense, the heart of the message here in verse 11, really the very center of the passage. He says, Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. This is the obligation he impressed upon the people then. And it is our privilege and obligation today that we would be very careful to love the Lord our God. Well, how is it that we're going to, to do that? And Joshua, of course, knew that people might drift into apathy. And it's been said that the opposite of love isn't so much hatred as it is apathy. Just a little drifting away here and there. And our heart grows cold. How do we prevent this? How do we truly take possession of the land that the Lord has given to us? Well, it is as we take care to love the Lord our God. But how do we do it? Well, we want to look at a few of the ways in which the Lord would call us to keep this heartbeat of Scripture, that we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. How do we do it? Uh, First thing that we ought to observe here as we look at this passage as it unfolds is simply that, that older people ought to be telling younger people about the great things that God has done. It's maybe a very practical note out of the gate here, but it's it's all about these first two verses. Joshua's old and well advanced in years. He's seen he's he's said this once, and it's also been said of him, as uh, as the narrative unfolds in verse one. And so he's gathering everyone together. And now again he is is speaking to them because he knows the things that really matter another little illustration of this uh, many of you most of you knew dr blackwood the man who planted this church who went to be with the lord about three years ago and uh, maybe his last birthday or next to last birthday here on earth uh, we wanted to celebrate and we normally go downstairs after an evening service for fellowship but he wasn't as good on his feet so we we put the cake on a cart and we rolled the cart right up here so that after the evening service we could all sing happy birthday to him and we let the candles uh, we didn't have 90 candles but uh, there were still candles there and uh, we, we sang to him and uh, he was so eager to speak to us heart to heart that he didn't remember that the candles were still lit and needed to be blown out and if you were here that night you remember that it's probably the closest you've ever seen uh, candles come to being put out by the icing As they continued to burn down and he poured his heart out to us, pointing us to Jesus Christ. It just demonstrates that older people get it. The candles aren't what matter anymore. It's Christ. He wanted us to see it. And we see it throughout the rest of the scripture, not just Joshua, but we see it with Paul writing to Timothy as he writes to him. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, particularly his last book, or you see it with the psalmist in his words in Psalm 71, wanting not to pass away until he's told the next generation everything that needs to be known about loving the Lord. And those who are older in our midst need to be telling this story as well. You can do this, of course, in simple ways, just as you gather your children and your grandchildren together. Uh, Today is Mother's Day, and so there are a lot of children who are gathered to their mothers today. It's a good thing for us to honor our mothers. There's nothing more important for a mother to do than to speak the truth to her children and to pass on the heritage that she has been given by telling the story of God's great work. Well, it's all kinds of older people who are called to do this, and uh, several of you have written out your testimony for your children and grandchildren, even published them. And as pastor, sometimes I get the opportunity to read previews of these things. One of which is uh, Joan Stoycheff's writing. Uh, This is to put some pressure on Joan. She's working on uh, her story. And I read it this week. And after I read it, I emailed back and I said, Joan, the only problem I see with this is that you haven't gotten it done fast enough. She's got to get it out for all of us to read because you will hear and you will see things that you've never known about her before that will enrich your understanding of how God's grace works because you've seen it work in the life of one more person in this congregation. And you know what? It doesn't have to be simply those who are really old and gray who tell these great truths. When I was six years old and my sister Carrie Ann was nine years old, she was the one that the Lord used to first open my eyes to see in very real and conscious ways the truth about God and my own sin and what I needed. God calls us to the very sort of thing that Joshua is doing here. And what does it do? Well, it brings life. And it brings about a greater love for God in the hearts of his people so that we don't drift. And we ought to take note of this uh, great principle that is laid out for us here in these first couple of verses. And what does Joshua do as he gathers these people? What, What do we need to do secondly if we're going to see this kind of love for God stirred up and preserved in our midst? Well, you'll notice here that he tells what God has done to bless his people. He tells it in verses 3 and 4 and then 9 and 10 and verse 14 as well. But in verse 3, he tells all of these leaders of the people who were gathered up close. He says, now look, you saw it. You have seen what the Lord your God has done. Some of these people, as little children, had passed through the Red Sea. And they had gone on to take possession of the land that the Lord had given them. They had seen it with their own eyes. And he says, you've seen all that the Lord your God has done then to all of these nations, because it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Notice here, he doesn't go to these people and say, now, first of all, you really need to get stirred up in your love for God, because the real work that has to happen is the work that is in your heart. No, he starts with the objective reality of what God has done in time and space, as Francis Schaeffer so often likes to remind us. What matters is what God has done in real history to bring about his salvation. And he notes here that you need to remember how the Lord your God has fought for you. This was, of course, in driving the foreign nations out of this land so that they might have a place to be. You'll see it again in verse nine. He says, for the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. No one has been able to stand before you. And he hits the same themes in verse 14. And then if you go to verse four, he shows that he's given you a land. He's given you an inheritance, a place to call your own. And this is just one of the things that God has done. Joshua, of course, here is in one sense, just telling the the latest chapter of all that God has done through history. And if we're going to have anything to pass on to our descendants, it can't simply be warm feelings for God. We need to be able to tell them the great story that God has worked. Steve Jobs, of course, a founder of Apple and a man who would go on to become one of the wealthiest in the world. He was famous for saying that the most powerful person in the room is a person with a story to tell. That's why he was able to advance his business. That's because he had a better product but because he believed he had a better story to tell. And brothers and sisters, we have the best story ever told. And we have the best story to tell. It's the story of the whole of scripture, how God has created the world and in time and space has sent his son into the world so that he might fight on our behalf to defeat the world, the flesh, and the devil so that we might be brought to newness of life and so there might be the possibility of real love in our hearts and so that his spirit might pour that love then into our hearts. God has done this great work for us and we need to remember it. So if we're gonna be stirred up to love the Lord our God, we have to remember that our love is not based first of all on what we work up in our own hearts, but we need to remember and the story we need to tell is not that we first loved God, but that he loved us and he's demonstrated it in history to win and to bring about our salvation. This story ought to warm our hearts and we ought to be ready to tell it. The next thing then that we need to do if we want to see this kind of love for God stirred up is to see that we're not just to tell what God has done in the past, but we are to tell what God will do to bless his people. We don't just sit here in the present seeking to love God and trying to motivate ourselves to do it in the future by simply remembering what he's done in the past no we remember that we serve the living God and here he tells in verse 5 this great promise he makes this declaration the Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you Uh, Our God has acted in the past and this is the assurance that he will act for us in the future because he's promised he will. God has promised that what he has begun, he will complete in us to the day of Christ Jesus. God is at work in the present and he will keep stirring up your heart and mind. And we need to remember and to tell these great truths to our children and to anyone who will hear so we're to remember what god has done to bless us we're to remember what he will do to bless us and then next we're to we're to tell god's warnings as well because our god is a holy god we see these warnings being given to the people In multiple places, you'll see it a little bit in verse seven, but notice it, especially in verses 12 and 13, and then in verses 15 and 16 in verse 12, he says, if you turn back and you cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and you make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you know for certain that the Lord, your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they're going to be a snare and a trap for you. And God is going to take you off of this ground. And he reiterates the same in verses 15 and 16. God is faithful in every way. He's not only faithful to bring his blessings upon his people, but if we do grow apathetic and if we do turn away from him, he is faithful to bring about his curses as well. It's not his, his first act We're told in uh, the book of Lamentations that he he doesn't bring his uh, curse from the heart. That's really the, the center of that passage, but he brings his blessing from his heart. This is his inclination toward his people. This is the way in which he works, but he does warn us as his people so that we don't turn away. And as Joshua is dealing here with the people, he's dealing with the stuff of their hearts and their souls. You see this in verse 14. He speaks to them of how you know in your hearts and souls what God has done. When I was in India, we were driving along a mountain road up in the first range of the Himalayas, as they call them there and you would occasionally see these signs that were warning signs as the road would uh, bend around uh, a part of the mountain, and uh, there were no guardrails, of course. The road was very narrow, and sometimes there were two vehicles, one going each way, and uh, being in the bus, sometimes it sure felt like the bus actually swung out over the edge of the cliff, and you would be able to see down 1,000, 1,500, or even 2,000 feet, and often what you would look down and see below were cars that had crashed. They'd gone over the edge. This is why warning signs were placed. And this is why Joshua gives these verses 12 and 13, 15 and 16, because your hearts and your souls are at stake, brothers and sisters and friends. And God cares about your heart. And the great threat is not that we would go over the edge of a cliff in a car and die here on this earth. But we know that the Lord, our God is an eternal God. And he has created us for fellowship with him eternally. And he's giving these warnings, not simply because the people might be removed from the land, but because there is nothing more terrifying than being removed from fellowship with God for all of eternity. And facing his wrath in hell itself. And so Joshua graciously gives this warning. And we need to give this kind of warning as well. This is part of the tool. In the, this is a tool that the Lord uses. So that we would be stirred up to be very careful. Therefore to love the Lord our God. We should remember as his people that there's no safety simply in sitting in a church building, but that just as God was pleased to prune off certain branches, as he says in Romans chapter 11, uh, the Jewish branches being broken off so that Gentiles might be grafted in. So it is with us. We're called to faith and repentance on a daily basis. We know that we are secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we block out the word of God and we refuse him, we will be broken off. Well, uh, Joshua uh, tells uh, these people to communicate all of these things, the things God has done, the things God will do by way of blessing and by way of curse. And then he calls his people to faithfulness. And this is uh, the same thing we're called to today. We're called to faithfulness and we're called to call the next generation to faithfulness in the Lord. If this kind of love is to be stirred up and you'll see this is in verses seven, uh, six and seven and 11 particularly. And uh, there are three areas in which we might see this being worked out. How is it that we're called uh, to be faithful in response? Well, you see the first one of these in verse six, we're called to, to keep God's word. You as God's people are called to keep his word. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Turning aside, not to the right hand and not to the left hand. Joshua comes to the end of his life and and where does he finish? Well, he finishes with his instructions in the same place in which he began to take possession of the land. And if you want to see the parallels, go back to, to look at Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. But here's the point. If you move off of God's word, you'll be on sinking and shifting sand. You won't know the truth. And so we as the people of God are called to, to keep the book, to be a people of the book by reading it, memorizing it, meditating on it, delighting in it, instructing others in it, cherishing it with everything we've got. This always characterizes those kinds of older people who And bring us to their feet to give us these sorts of words. They are people who have loved and who have known the scriptures. And they speak to us out of those scriptures. And Joshua, at the end of his life, he's simply doing the same. He's not only giving an instruction. He's embodying the very thing that he's teaching. And if we're going to have a love for God, we have to have a love for his word. And this characterizes all of our human relationships too. When you love somebody, what do you want to do? You want to talk to them. When people fall in love, what do they do? Well, they used to pay long distance phone bills because they wanted to talk to their loved one. Now it it seems a little too easy, a little too free with cell phone packages that have unlimited connection. But guess what, folks? We have an unlimited connection with God. His word is always open to you. And if you love him and you know him, you know that you've never read his word and walked away and just thought to yourself, what a waste of time. I really wish I hadn't heard from the Lord today. Now, maybe he's convicted you of sin in certain cases, and it's been a little uncomfortable, but you know what I mean? You've never walked away and said, I really wish I hadn't read God's word. So his word is to be kept by us in our hearts as well as in our lives. And we have to keep going back to it. Uh, Secondly, there's a call here to faithfulness to his people. It's in kind of a reverse uh, way that it said in verse seven, he says, don't go mix with the nations remaining among you or make mention of their names and uh, the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. We're, we're not to go, intermarrying with unbelievers we're not to have as our closest friends those who are apart from the Lord Jesus Christ we're not to be uh, going into uh, business in unwise kinds of ways with those who are just going to to take our hearts away from the Lord but rather we are called as the people of God uh, to mix with the people that he has called his very own which is why worship and fellowship and all of these kinds of uh, wonderful relationships that the Lord has given us are so critical. They're so crucial to us if we're going to be stirred up to love and to know the Lord. Well, thirdly, we see here that we are called in verses uh, eight uh, as well as verse 11 to cling to the Lord, our God. Uh, He says, you shall cling to the Lord, your God, just as you have done to this day. How is it that we love the Lord? Well, how is it that a little child loves his mother or his father? They wrap their arms around their neck. And especially if they sense some sort of danger or fear, or especially if they have found particular delight and joy in something that the father or the mother has, has said, they, they wrap their arms around your neck. They grab onto your clothes. They hold on with all their might because of the great love that has been put in their heart for you as father or mother. And this is the same kind of imagery that the Lord gives us here. We're a people who, who love to cling to the things we love. Sometimes we're clinging to memories of those who have passed on before us because we know the great gift that the Lord gave to us. Sometimes we cling on to physical things that are precious to us that, Uh, are useful to us, or maybe they remind us of other things that are even more significant than the physical object. And we don't let them go from our grasp. We are called as the people of God here to cling to him and to never let go. Well, Joshua, as he comes to the end of his life here, he's, urging the people he's stirring them up in verse 11 saying be very careful therefore to love the lord your god and what is the basis for this well the basis for it the reason they ought to do it the reason they must do it the reason you and i must do it is is really punctuated for us in verse 14 where he once again says and now i am about to go the way of all the earth and you know in your hearts and souls all of you that not one word has failed Of all the good things that the Lord, your God promised concerning you, all have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. Your God has never once failed you, dear friends. If you know his word and if you've studied history and if you've looked at the pattern of your life, you know that though there are times when you've been disappointed and you've been uncertain and you've had fears and there have been challenges, you are able to look back through the course of all of history and your life and see that your God has never once failed you. And because he has never failed you and because he has given you life in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, you are called to hear these final words of Joshua. And you are called to go forward with confidence, being very careful to love the Lord, your God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you've given us every reason we need to love you. We thank you that you've given us all the instruction we need in order to be able to keep uh, your word and to remain connected to you. Lord, we pray now that you would give us grace as we go forth from here that we as your people would remember that we're not to be conformed to this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds to have our, our minds set upon you and what you've done upon your great love for us. And we pray then Lord, that you would stir us up so that we would be very careful to love you all the days of our lives. We thank you that you have uh, established a savior for us, whoever lives to make intercession and whose love for us will never cease And so we pray that you would give us grace that we might love because you have indeed first loved us. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen.